Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. All right, everybody. Welcome to Revolution. Thanks for making it out. See a couple new faces. And uh, always nice to have new folks. Once again, if we could just get everybody to come at once. We're going to have a no-skip day. No-skip church day. So we can... I feel like we have like people who we go in shifts every other week. Because where's Bob? Where's Bob today? Um... So, this Bible that I have, once I put on my stand, sinks the stand, so I'm going to move that over there. Thanks for listening, everybody, online, as always. We are glad to have you here, or be there, wherever you're at. Um, man, uh, this week has flown by. My son... I don't know if I keep talking about this on a mic because I'm just fatigued. Keeps because he's got a big boy bed now, which is just a normal bed. He's out of his crib, so he keeps getting up at like five or five thirty, maybe six, latest, and just walks into our room. And we're like, "Buddy, it's time for bed," and he's like, "No, no," and uh, he just. Praise God you have children, wonderful children. Man, people who are don't have children and sleep in, you have no idea how good you have it. Like, I wish I could go back in time and just talk to myself. Just be like, enjoy it more. I feel guilty sometimes. I'd be like, oh, I feel slept in too long. I feel bad. I like to be like, don't feel bad. You'll make up for it. The first two years of your child's life, you will make up for it. And um, my four-month-old, four-month-old is uh, got a stuffy nose, and so it sounds like the Tasmanian devil is sleeping in our room. So I was like, <laughs> we have a pig or something in our room. So, man, that's my life. That and waking up to a little thing called depression. Always fun. Today I was getting out of the car, just feeling okay, and then all of a sudden just a little bit of depression comes over. I was like, oh, really? Come on, depression, not Sunday. You can have other days of the week, (laughs) but I can't give you Sunday. And uh, yeah, it's a real pain in the butt sometimes. But you know what? It is what it is, and I just share that not because it's like, oh, poor me. I want everybody to be sad. It's just, it's kind of a typical day in the life of Jay, and I like to share that with people, because I think we all go through our own garbage, right? So, and also I had something planned to talk about before service, and I, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I can't remember what it is, so I'm going to keep babbling and telling you stories until I remember what it is. Um, I think we are going to not have service on the 5th. 
I will make sure that you all know that's when time changes, but I haven't cleared it with the bowling alley yet. Because <laughs> um, I'm going to be out of town, and I'm going to be out of town two weeks in a row, but we have a guest speaker for the second week. But it's kind of hard to find like a bunch of guest speakers. In November, for some reason, I've gotten speaking engagements, which is rare. Nice to nice to work. I'm going on a thing called Loosen the Bible Belt Tour. And uh, we're going through the South. And it's me, two comedians, and a ukulele player. And um, I'm the only Christian on the thing. So it's like pretty fun. You know, when other, one of my other friends, she's Kristen who put the thing together. She's a lesbian and she tells dirty lesbian jokes and, uh, it's quite interesting, but she asked me to do it and we did it the first year and it was great. We did it the second year and it was a lot of fun. And so I said, I'll do it a third year. It's really different, but it's trying to get people to realize that you don't have to be on the same page for everything in order to work together or be friends and, uh, maybe open up dialogue. Because it's kind of this unconditional, we're not asking each other to change, you know, thing. And that we're equal opportunist offenders in some ways. Because if you came for the comedians, you're probably offended by the preacher. If you came for the preacher, you're probably offended by the comedians. Especially the ukulele player. And so, we're doing that. And I'm really excited about getting on the road for a week. It'll be. I hate being away from my kids, that's the only thing, but... Um, but it'll be good. And that is, um, I'm going to just get the dates, pull those dates up drop that here. Um, November 4th through the 11th and it's loose in the Bible belt and you can go to, uh, LTBB dash tour on Instagram and get more information or you can find also loose in the Bible belt on Facebook. So yeah, check that out if you get a chance. Pretty excited about it. And I'm also going to go speak at a Open Door Community Church, which is uh the church that really challenged me to become a affirming LGBTQ affirming pastor, and that was the church that really pushed me to come out of my comfort zone and take that stand and I go to I've been going there for gosh maybe 10 11 years now maybe longer I didn't realize that until I opened up my Facebook today and it was like memories you know those memories things and it was like eight years ago and it was a picture of me there I was like oh my gosh I think this year will be the first year where I have so much gray in my beard I turned 41 and just the gray just went now if I show up here and there's not gray in my beard don't say anything it's just for men. I mean, just a secret. A miracle may happen. I don't know. Depends on how vain I really am. Um, last week we talked about sin and all that stuff, sin talk, and I, I mentioned that we might talk a little bit about the Jesus and the money changers, and so that's what we're going to do. Um, it's not a... Not not usually a sermon or a verse that I use in sermons. Um, I remember I've had friends who've told me that they don't believe that the verse belongs in the Bible. They don't like it. 
Um, but I have verses that I don't think belong in the Bible either. So, you know, what are you going to do? They're like, I just don't believe Jesus got angry. And I'm like, okay. Um, so all those things he said to the Pharisees, that was, he was just being cool. Um, calm, collective. Yeah. So let's read this and, and, and get into it. Matthew, uh, 21. 12 and 13. Uh, Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Um, Now there's reason why Jesus did this and what was going on. I mean, the money changers were changing money into temple money, which is kind of like going to Disneyland and getting Disney bucks. (laughs) You're not going to really have any other place to use those. And there was a big upcharge. And often they would also say that the sacrificial doves and things like that bought at the temple were somehow more holy than other things. And, uh, you know, doing what religion does sometimes and, scams people out of the money in the name of holiness and things like that. And this is something that Jesus was was uh, extremely upset about. Now, I'm not getting into that just so we can talk about the history behind it. I'll just give a little history behind it. But what I wanted to talk about is that being nice isn't always going to change things. And that's tough. Because, you know, you go, oh, Jesus is love and love your neighbor and love your enemies. And you can't, you know, and you get all that way. And I'm a grace guy. So I'm like, peace. But but there's times where Jesus was not always nice. And there's times where he had to be confrontational. Now, the funny thing is, is that there probably when it says tables and chairs, I don't think there were tables and chairs in at that time. In the, there are probably blankets laid out on the ground, and so Jesus was probably reaching down, grabbing cloths and blankets and stuff. But if you watch the uh, the Passion of Christ, you'll know that Jesus invented the table. Did you see the Passion of the Christ, anybody? Okay, well, it's kind of hilarious. I mean, it's not hilarious at all. It's really violent and disgusting and gross. One scene where Jesus is a carpenter and he builds a table and he sits down and he shows his mother and he's like, look, a table. This is what I call a table. You know, I was like, he just keeps on creating. Can't stop him. But I thought it was funny that they were kind of, Mel Gibson was giving Jesus the, the cred for building, <laughs> for inventing the table. And uh, I don't know if they had chairs before then or not. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, in, in other ones, it talks about that he made a whip out of rope. And uh, did that. But the idea is, is that nice isn't always going to change things. And the I, question here is, can grace and love confront? Uh, Jesus can. So it would seem to make sense that grace and love can confront. Um. And that's coming back to Jesus and the religious leaders. 
Um, Jesus called the religious leaders brutes of brood of vipers. You know, said you crossed land and sea to make one convert and turn them into twice the sons of hell that you are. Said some some things about whitewashed tombs and different things like that that were kind of pretty harsh to his critics. And you would go, well, is he loving his neighbor as himself? Well, I have to believe that Jesus practiced what he teached. So I have to believe that in some way that this was his best, this was his way of showing some sort of mercy, love, and grace by saying, I've got to expose you to what you are by telling you the truth and telling you the truth firmly. You know, or maybe, you know, the people around you will see it. Um, this is important because if you think about the time that we're in, um, we're in a time where we need to be honest and we need to be in nonviolence, even nonviolence confronts an evil, you know, and confront it's a part of being confrontational. Um, the nonviolent movement, um, that Gandhi started and Martin Luther King also used. Um, I've been a part of groups where we use nonviolence, but it's still confrontational. It's still, we still would go to places and if they wouldn't meet with us, we'd, set up another meeting and then say, well, they won't meet with us. You know, it was exposing the tension that was already there. We weren't creators of tension. That's what uh, Dr. King said is we're not creators of tension, but we're exposing a tension that's already exists. And so that's what Jesus is doing here is he's exposing a tension that exists already an injustice that is there. Um, and that's what happens in Reformation when we've got to change the church and we have to speak truth and it's a fine line. It really is a fine line. Um, now why I think reformation is important. Um, I was talking to a friend the other day when we were talking about reformation and how a lot of the church is dying and how a lot of people are kind of happy with just saying, let the church die. Let's kill it off. You know, it's done. And I don't know if they hope for church resurrection or something like that. <laughs> um, I don't know how spiritual it gets, but I guess there's a part of me that really hopes more for a reformation, a change in the church that the church can become something better right now. How do I feel about the church? Well, I pastor a very small church. So I don't know exactly the pulse of everything that's happening in the church right now, but I really do hope that more people will come around to being affirming and loving and open and caring. And um, the resurgence of the conservative evangelical that we see right now is uh, really nerve-wracking. And how do we speak truth to that power? How do we speak truth to the power of president of the United States when he's saying a lot of things that are the opposite of what, what the good news is? He asked what we're called to. And when the church is standing behind him and saying, yes, a lot of church people are saying, you know, we agree. This, he's the person's called of God, you know. I think stretching it any time we say a president's called of God when we're saying that someone who has to make decisions on blowing up people. It's a little bit, you know, tough. 
people will maybe take that Roman scripture literally where it says God points those in leadership, but I have a hard time with that one. Um, so how do we change a church and not kill it? How are we able to be confrontational but not not devastating? Matthew 10. I think Matthew is before Revelation. So let me turn back. My dyslexia kicks in sometimes. I'm like, Acts, Galatians, uh, Revelation. Oh, Matthew. Um, we're still in Matthew. I'm going to jump back to Matthew 10. Matthew ten sixteen. This is in Jesus' sending out disciples. He goes, Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Be as weary, weary as a snake, and harmless as a dove. Now I want to read a different translation because I don't think that one is good enough. <laughs> And this one might not either, because I like, I'll I'll use a translation, I'll use that quote in a second that I really like. See, I'm sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves, so be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. Wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. Uh, just to mention Dr. King one more time, and uh, I think it's called The Strength to Love or The Courage to Love, of his, one of his books, which is a collection of his sermons. He has a whole sermon on that one verse that is amazing. I'm always shocked when I read pastors who do one verse sermons and just go, pow, 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 pow. I love that. I wish I had that gift. Um, maybe one day I'll hunker down. But when you have kids, you're lucky if you get a sermon at all. (laughs) It's like a small miracle. But be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. And it seems that this is saying we want to be wise as a a serpent, harmless as a dove. And wisdom versus foolishness or ignorance knowing when and whom to confront. It's uh, having discernment. It's uh, realizing that we are called to be, as Dr. King put it, hard-minded, you know, to be ones that aren't soft-minded people who are, who, are, who are turned to and fro, who buy into whatever the new thing is or whatever religion says we should do, but that we make questions, that we are able to have questions, that we're able to stand up for what we believe in. Um, He said a lot of the thing that was with um, segregation 
is that a lot of people who seemed soft-minded were preyed upon by, you know, others who who were in power or had control and politicians and just told, you know, this is what we've got to do. You've got to go along with this. And they just went along with it. And he's saying we're called to have you wise as a serpent, and that's to be tough-minded. That's to have discernment. That's to ask questions. That's sometimes to to turn over tables. But we're also to be harmless as a dove, which is a beautiful way of looking at what you would see as nonviolence. It's confrontational without violence, confrontational without hurting others. doesn't mean you don't hurt feelings because in this world, in this life, it's impossible to do. But it means you don't destroy the person. And last week, this verse was brought up, and uh, I want to share this, because I think it's important, and it goes along with what we're saying. It's about the prophecy of Jesus. It's in Matthew 12, 18. It says, um, I'll read the beginning. I'll read 15 so we can get a bit of context. When Jesus became aware of this, he departed. Many crowds followed him, and he cured all of them and then ordered them not to make him known. This was to fill what he had been spoken through the prophets of Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and I will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not wrangle or cry aloud, he will not, he, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed or quench a smoldering wick until he brings justice and victory to all in his name, and the Gentiles will hope. Um, and in plain English, don't you love this? This fun, just reading it over and over again. I just want to read it in the New Living because it gets just a little bit clearer, pushes it through. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved, and I'm very pleased with him. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout. He will not raise his voice in public. He will not crush those who are weak. I like that just because it's that's what it's saying. He will not crush those who are weak. Or quench the smallest of hope. Until he brings the justice with his final victory, and the name will be the hope of all the world. Which is when he says Gentiles. It's funny, next to this, I have old notes written. We tried waiting, guys. We tried. <laughs> I have old notes written um, that says. Uh, 
cheesy alert. It says WWJD next to this. Um, but it was because that's where I was at the time, and it was like, what would Jesus do? This is a really, I've had this, this old Bible for, this Bible for years. Um, I think my mom actually bought this Bible for me. Um, she loved buying me Bibles. So I just, I would be like during Christmas or something, I was just like, I want this type of Bible. She'd be like, oh, I'm so proud of my boy. He wants to read a Bible. He's got all the tattoos, but he loves the Bible. Um, so there it is again, is the wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove, won't crush those who are weak, is not going to quench their smallest hopes, you know. There's that love and that grace. There's that fine line, you know. Jesus confronted people. Jesus loved people. Jesus healed people. Jesus rebuked people. I mean, he told Pete, he said, Peter, get behind me, Satan, you know. So there was times where he was, he knew when it was time to be straightforward and he wasn't going to be quenching the smalls of hope but he was going to be clear and honest and we see that peter didn't lose his mind well peter was a kind of a weirdo peter had a lot of issues and those issues did not go away by the way just read galatians and you'll know those issues didn't go away But it's true, and he would not raise his voice in the streets. And it's, I've always, every time I read this, I always think of street preachers who are saying, repent, turn from God, you know. And I've even asked street preachers what they think about this. And they're like, well, uh, well uh, yeah. we take everything literally, but this one. So, or they'll come up with others, you know, or they'll come back with... Jesus clearing the temple. You know, something like that. You're like, oh, okay. But I'm trying to take all these these three verses that might seem contradictory and use them because Jesus is using even language that seems to contradict. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. You know, I want you to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. You know, it's like, what does that mean? How do I do that? And he goes in and talks about how that's done. Um, but for time's sake today, we're not going to do that. And as much as I try to avoid Galatians because it's my favorite book and I'm hoping at the beginning of year to start our Galatians study, our yearly Galatians study at the beginning of the year, it's like I don't want the beginning of the year to get here because I'll be 42 on December 18th. But... I do get excited about Galatians. And so I'm always like, keep Galatians out of it, but I can't, so I apologize. Galatians also, Paul, makes this clear too. He says in Galatians five fourteen, for the whole law can be summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. But if instead of showing love amongst yourselves, you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. 
And I've seen the biting and the devouring destroy people's lives. Sticks and stones may bake my bones, but words will never hurt me, which is just BS. Words are deadly. Words are causes cause us all a lot of pain. Can any of you think of sometime like maybe someone an insult someone said, or some critique someone gave you? Maybe it was about your personality. Maybe it was about your body. Maybe it was about I don't know something personal. And it, I mean, I have one where it was like 20 years ago. And I mean, it's like funny to me that 20 years ago, and I still, every now and then, it just pops in my mind. You know, just one thing that someone said that was just a little bite or a little devour, and it just is like, I'm not even going to share it with you because I don't like it. <laughs> it. Makes me uncomfortable. But I was like, oh. And it just never went anywhere. Or things that were said to you in maybe high school. I mean, good Lord. And it just sticks with you. You know? I grew up with lots of body image issues. And so there was a few things that people would say, had said, and it just never went away. Biting and devouring one another. We do it on social media like crazy. And I don't know if that's being harmless as a dove. I know there's times to confront. I know there's times that being nice isn't always going to change things. But I also know that we're not supposed to quench the smallest hopes. You know, we're not supposed to destroy one another. But we're supposed to do change. That's what Reformation does. Where the Reformations went wrong is when the killing started and the burning started and the rioting started and people started hurting one another, killing one another, tearing one another apart, burning each other at the stake. That's when it was like, this isn't a reformation anymore. This is a witch hunt. This is murder. But we need reformation. We need to change desperately. Or the church does need to die. And I have hope that the church will be able to continue on and I think there's a lot of good churches out there. So I'm not here to say all churches are bad. I think there's a lot of great churches out there, um, but they need more of a voice, and they need to be heard. And we need to be open to another one or each one another's different interpretations and different ideas and different theologies, and be able to sit down and talk. You know, be strong-minded, be wise as a serpent. But this, this, what does this look like? Well, what it looks like, I hope, is what these verses brought together is a fine line of, of, of a way we are called to walk. And that they, we will look at that next time you're on social media or you're in a situation where confrontation is called for that you'll think about this you know you'll think about being harmless as a dove but also wise as a serpent and you'll think about not quenching hope or you think about not biting and devouring the other person and man we can bite and devour people out of the best intentions 
you know, people say something, I mean, especially now, you know, I, I can't even get on Twitter without being, feeling so reactive. Like I just, I've kind of stopped tweeting altogether because I just would be on there arguing all day. And I used to argue all day. Matter of fact, I probably got some pretty damn good sermons out of it from the arguments that I had. Sometimes those arguments would turn into phone calls. Like, I'm going to DM you my phone number. We're going to town, you know. And my uh, my girlfriend at the time would just be like my wife. And then I went through a divorce and I started dating somebody. But both of them. <laughs> would say this ruins you it makes you so angry and then people would be like would you stop going on twitter all your sermons are about twitter <laughs> you know so it's easy to get obsessed and get charged with wanting to just be right and put people in their place and i see this especially amongst and this is what frightens me the most and makes me most uncomfortable is i see this type of infighting amongst liberal christians and I feel like liberal Christians in some ways are, are the hope for the church. But I see them turn on each other so easily. And I don't know if it's because of the hurt or the pain that they've been through. But when we turn on each other, we tear each other apart, or we play like, well, I'm more of a social justice warrior than you are. I'm more open than you are. I'm not going to talk to you because of this or that. We bite and devour one another we quench the hope. We put out the, what is it, the burning wick. We just, the smoldering wick, we just make it not smolder anymore. And we've got to learn what it is to love one another, what it is to confront one another out of that love and that grace. What Jesus meant when he was saying brood of vipers, what Jesus meant when he went to the temple and, and and turned over tables. What is it? Everything there's a time. I can't remember what verse that is. It's a song too. To everything turn, turn, turn. But <laughs> but that's from a verse. It's in Proverbs, right, you know? And um and so there's a time for everything. But that comes with wisdom. comes with with discernment and it comes with love because you don't want to be hard-minded without love you know you don't want to be wise as a serpent but not harmless as a dove you don't want to be wise as a serpent and not love because then you're just kind of a serpent and what does a serpent do just to protect itself. But it kills to protect itself. It strikes out to keep itself safe. You know? And that's what we don't want to do. We don't want to become that. That reactionary. So I hope we can become peacemakers. I hope we can find ways to walk this fine line. I hope we can be Christ-like in that way. Because when I think of Christ-like, I think, oh, give someone a cup of water. Give someone some bread. Give someone some clothes. But it's also being Christ-like as saying, okay, sometimes I'm going to have to stand up to the religious. Sometimes I'm going to have to say things that aren't popular. 
sometimes I'm going to have to pick up my own cross and saying, what does that require? And there's just this way of looking at it. Thanks for coming today. That's my talk. We're going to say a quick, uh, quick prayer. Um, but before that, just to remind everybody, um, online listeners and folks here, we're a nonprofit organization. We survive through your donations. Um, that's how the church makes it. We have a board of directors. We're nonprofits, so you can get a tax write-off if you, if you want. Just write, write. If you write a check, it's easier to do that. Or if you give online, it's easier to do that. And I will say to anybody listening online, if you decide to give online, leave your address too, not just your email, because I'd love to send you a letter saying thank you. Um, I can send an email too, but I've just been really slack on sending emails, as some of you know. So I need to get back on top of that. But I'd love to send you a postcard saying thank you for donating and helping us do what we do. But we do really are in a time where we desperately need your support with with the holidays coming and things like that. It just gets tougher and tougher to keep this thing going. And we've got bills to pay and rent to pay and all that stuff. So I'll end with that and uh, say a quick prayer. Lord, I thank you for your grace and mercy. Uh, I ask that you would just, I don't know, give us wisdom. Help us to be peacemakers. Let us to understand timing. And uh, your will be done. This is a difficult world. And it's really tough to understand anything and make sense out of it, any of it. So anything you can give us would be great. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>